Welcome to Star News Day with Kevin Clark. I am Kevin Clark, joined on a football Wednesday by Lindsay Jones. Lindsay, hello. Hey, Kevin. Happy 4th of July week. 5th of July. Um, 5th of July. have no idea what day of the week it is. For a couple weeks, you were replaced by far less famous people. George Kittle, Josh Allen, Breer. Um, Brewer the big gun in that. In okay, the, two in, of the, in my two big of the three. three. I'll, I'll, in I'll my give big you. three. Um, it's good, good to see you back, pal. Uh, it's nice to be back. It's July. That means it is uh, camp time. Like we're so, we're going to do this. There's an old. I think it's a Ron Wolf saying. Maybe it's maybe it's just a, a Green Bay saying that there's only two seasons in Green Bay: winter and the Fourth of July. And I actually don't think it's a million miles away from that for any NFL writer or any NFL person, which is like the 4th of July begins the end of the 4th of July begins your fall. Like truly, because we have to start like three weeks from now, I'll be on the road and that's what we're going to get to in this episode. I'll be on the road. You're going to be in the thick of it very soon. We have a planning meeting next week where we just sketch out everything that we're going to be doing. Like, I don't think people realize if, if you have, and I don't because I'm, I'm blessed with an incredible job, but if you have Sunday scaries about working in football, it is currently kicking in. Yeah, I will. I will say the one caveat is we have kind of like one more week, like this week, basically between like last week and probably through next weekend is NFL wedding season. Uh, So literally everybody that you know who works in the NFL has an anniversary that's sometime between like June 22nd and July 14th. Um, my anniversary is next week. I mean, it's like literally writers, people who work. I got married after the draft, two weeks after the draft. That's see that that's a good window too. That's not like a great like personnel guy kind of window or no, coach but window. It's a good it's a good coach. Like there's no mandatory. It's a good players window because there's no yeah. mandatory mini camps around then and all yes. that stuff. That's not until early June. I will say but that we're still we're still in NFL wedding season. So um, I was at a Jaguars OTAs five years ago, six years ago, talking to one of their executives, and he said there were three people from the organization getting married either that weekend or the weekend after. And they basically had to split up, just make sure the organization was, was showcased at every single wedding. They basically had to divvy up like, all right, this guy is going to go to this, this quality control coach's wedding. This guy's going to go to the scouts wedding. Like it was, it was to make sure that, that we didn't get too top heavy on one of these weddings. They actually had to divvy it up. God damn it. That's a really good ringer story idea. I'm going to write that down for later. <laughs> I'm going to save that one. Save that one aside. Push that for later. NFL wedding season. And the, All right. Uh, well, I mean, college football is even worse. It. I mean, if you if you get married in, in the fall in the South, you've got problems. You got real problems. Oh, like if you're just like a couple who wants to get married. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Why would you do that? I was I was the best man in a wedding on the day of Florida State, Miami. And it was a bunch of four. The groom was a Florida State guy and it was all florida state people and i was about to give the best man speech and i was so nervous it was the it was the uh they won in the last play of the game more or less miami did and i didn't watch it because i was like depending on what happens i might be sulking up there so i'll just find out what happened and i don't want to i don't want my mood to be affected by what's going on in this play and then i crush the speech obviously and then i find out we won the game on the last play of the game so there you go. What a beautiful memory. Wow. And the Florida State guys were all crestfallen. I figured it out by looking at on their phones. They were, they were well, watching say, their if, phones. If you are a sports fan or you are marrying a sports fan, the best week to get married is my anniversary is next week, July 13th. Like the deadest time in the NFL calendar. MLB uh, All-Star break. 
you're over like the NBA free agency, most of everything that's going on, the NFL is still quiet. It's a perfect time in your calendar. So highly recommend if you're planning 2024 weddings. It's wonderful. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing in the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. All right. So here's what we're going to do. Piggybacking off of what we just talked about. We're doing our camp tours. You're circling things. I'm circling things. I'm saying I have to hit this team. I want to do most intriguing training camps. Whether you call that most intriguing training camp questions, just with the vibe. There are so many. I remember one year, it's a Flacco Ravens team. I'm just sitting on the sidelines. I'm talking to the beat writers, a couple scouts, whatever. And I was just like, you know, who's the best player on this team? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, and you're just looking at it and the 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 vibes, the 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 energy's low, nothing's really happening. The, the second round picks getting yelled at, you know, because he's not running the right routes. And you're just like, oh, this is this is just off. Like nothing's happening here this year. And I think that a lot of times uh, it's really easy to spend two days in a place at a camp and just say this. No one believes in this thing. And you can really feel a difference when everybody's rolling in the right direction. Um, you know, I'll, I'll give you a great example. Two years ago. In Detroit, when Dan Campbell took over, I don't think everybody was bought in to what Dan Campbell was selling. I think last year they were. And that's why I came back from there saying, okay, this is this is making sense. This is progressing. They are, you know, Brad Holmes or GM said the first year was the HVAC year, and then you start adding the chandelier or whatever it is. And that's sort of what it is. We'll get I probably get to some of the Lions draft stuff a little bit later, but like I, you you can tell being in these places um, what what the where the organization is. I think if an alien came down and looked at a training camp, they'd actually probably be able to gauge pretty well what kind of team this looks like. And I remember, I it was a team that that uh, Patriots splitting practice with somebody, and I remember being there and the beat writers being like, "Holy shit, the Patriots practice well." You know, like we're all my team, all lollygags and they go, they kind of, they kind of walk from drill to drill and somebody's punting the ball off to the side. And it's like, no, 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 no. The Brady Patriots are on it. And so you can glean stuff from practice. And so with that in mind, we each picked five teams to, to talk about the most intriguing training camps. I will give the floor to you. Your number one is who. All right. I'm going to go with a team who I think might be on hard knocks. So we're going to get the behind the scenes view of this. And that's the New York Jets. Um, a team we have talked a ton about already this offseason. 
And they're just going to be really interesting because we've been talking up their defense, how, how much young talent they have. Um, and Hey, they threw Aaron Rodgers into the mix and we've all been around camps where, you know, you know, I, I, I'm trying to believe it was 20. No, I wasn't at the 2020 camp when uh, Tom Brady showed up because it was COVID and none of us were there, but um, you know, last year when Russell Wilson got thrown into the Broncos, you know, when Matthew Stafford got thrown into the, uh, the Rams a couple of years ago, it's just a completely different vibe when you throw in a veteran, uh, established quarterback and what it does to the rest of the team. Um, so I just think that that is going to be a really, really interesting place as, uh, Aaron Rodgers gets acclimated to the jets as the jets get acclimated to Aaron Rodgers, how, um, all of the ex Packers kind of get into the mix. Just that's going to be a place that obviously it's going to be under a huge microscope. Um, we're all going to be watching every single thing that goes on there. The tweets coming out of Jets camp, the live play-by-play tweets from all of their beat writers, assuming that there is, uh, you know, assuming we could read tweets in a couple of weeks. I don't know <laughs> if we'll be able to read. <laughs> we'll probably all hit our rate limit from um, training camp, just people like tweeting third and six incompletions across the league. Um, but that just, I mean, it's going to be really, really wild and really interesting. And I am begging HBO and I am begging NFL films and I am begging the Jets and the NFL to actually show us what is happening there. Don't give us this watered down, uh, happy, shiny, glossy look at Jets camp. Show us what's actually happening there with that team this summer. Okay. If Twitter goes down, (laughs) the people most aggrieved after this would be Jets beat writers who for a decade (laughs) have been tweeting Christian Hackenberg has hit the hospitality tent with his football passes. Or Zach Wilson looks a little sluggish or in camp. Tim Tebow this is, is shirtless Tim in the rain. Tim Tebow is shirtless in the rain. All of this little stuff that has never amounted to anything, more or less in the Twitter era. I mean, the Rex Ryan teams were very, very, very early on. And the fact they're going to have real live, like you've seen the videos of Aaron Rodgers throwing into the net from 60 yards out. If Twitter is not around for that, prayers up for jets for jets writers jets fans who are going to be refreshing and hoping for something um it's just devastating training camp to me for rogers is going to be interesting because i've i was on a bill show uh the buffalo one, one bills live last week and they asked me what i would think if if the bills blew out the jets week one monday night and there's so much expectation or if they just go up three three touchdowns whether or not Jets fans could handle this. And I think they can. I think that the um, Jets fans have seen a lot. Okay. It's going to take a lot. You got to wake up early like, in the morning to devastate Jets fans at this point. Like, okay. That is a hilarious question though. It was, by unbe- the way. It was a, actually a, very- a great question. It was actually a great question. But I said like, first of all, we know that Rogers, first of all, he's locked in on OTAs, but it takes him a while to develop chemistry with guys. That's why I think that there were people last year in October and November who were waiting for the Packers to take off because they were just waiting for, for the chemistry with the young receivers. Didn't happen. He's had some rough training camps by design where he's throwing the ball up to see if he can trust receivers. And then the story becomes Rogers threw four picks in, in seven on seven stands. Like, no, 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 no. I trust me. He's gone. I think some of the longest stretches ever, with with not throwing an interception. He's good on accuracy, okay? It's more about he's testing his limits. Same, same thing Patrick Mahomes does. That's why sometimes you see Mahomes stories about, uh-oh, rough period for Mahomes. He threw, threw three picks. Stop. Learn, learn ball. Learn what he's trying to do. 
Okay. Learn what he's trying to do. What he's trying not to. I remember, I, th- I think I've shared this before. Like once I saw an interview with Philip Seymour Hoffman, where he said that uh, when he's doing a, uh, uh, previews for plays or whatever, he's testing out different voices because he wants to learn what not to do. That's Aaron Rodgers. That's Aaron Rodgers. And so my hope is that if we see a period where it says, uh-oh, Aaron Rodgers had a, had a little bit of a rough go of it. Like, everybody calm down. If that happens through September, everybody calm down. It's going to be, it might not click immediately, but I do think with that roster, with that defense, with just Rodgers raising the floor from a quarterback position, it will get better. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think there's going to be two things that'll happen. One, there are going to be those stretches where, like, it's going to look rough, but there's going to be overall this sense of, like, oh, so this is what a quarterback looks like. And this is what it's supposed to be like when you have an adult in the room. And I mean, well, we'll, we'll say he's an adult, but after a couple of years of Zach Wilson and everything that's been going on, Zach Wilson had some adults in the room, but they were different. (laughs) Hey, um, yeah, please keep that energy. No, we're no, no, no. We're keeping that in. We're moving on now. Absolutely. All right. Moving, moving on. Uh, I, so I actually, my number one team is Aaron Rodgers old team. And I don't want to, I don't actually don't want to talk about Rodgers during this, except to say this. We're going to see, it's funny because I, I thought this last year. So Devontae Adams leaves so much of Devontae Adams. Aaron Rodgers told me 70% of the offense went through him because of just, just him, just him getting open. That, that was the reason that Matt LaFleur's offense developed the way it did. Because if you have Devontae Adams beating cornerbacks, he gets open, that becomes the offense. You don't have to do much. There were little tricks um, in their releases at the line of scrimmage, stacking receivers that they didn't have to do because Devontae Adams would just say, I got this. I'm going to break somebody's ankles, run the best route you've ever seen, and, and get open. So I thought we'd see a little bit more of the Flores offense last year. We did in spurts. Now that Rodgers is gone, and I think that this is, the, this is sort of the overarching thing with Rodgers, which is that they blended those two playbooks, the McCarthy, let's call it McCarthy-Rodgers playbook, and... And the Matt LaFleur playbook. We don't need to see Mike McCarthy plays anymore because Aaron Rodgers is comfortable with them. So what happens now? Um, Rodgers told me last year that you know they would do Zoom calls and Rodgers would get pretty frustrated at the amount of motion in practice. Um, that he likes the tempo. He likes the cadence and, and, and drawing people off sides and, and, and all that stuff. And, and now we're going to see Jordan Love. And I don't really think the way I view quarterback in – the Shanahan, McVay, Mike LaFleur, Matt LaFleur, whoever, whoever, you name them all, Mike McDaniel, all, all, the, all the fellas, right? Uh, the way I view the quarterback position a lot of times is like an airline pilot. You don't, you don't, you don't need a special airline pilot. You, you know, the, the Shanahan and McVay are, they're the ones building the plane. They're the ones, they're, they're Airbus here, okay? They're putting the little winglets out there so that you can save a thousand dollars worth of fuel every flight or whatever the hell it is. They're the ones who are just, you know, for some reason they've installed a camera where you can see it below and you can look at the clouds. I don't know why they did it, but they did it. That's Shanahan and McVay. And I wouldn't discount the ability for Jordan Love to fill that role admirably. Look at San Francisco right now. It's Brock Purdy and Sam Darnold. They're still going to win a bunch of games. Kirk Cousins is beloved in that circle, not because he can do anything other than, I mean, he can run the offense. That's it. That's all you can do. That's all they asked for. They love if Kirk Cousins became available, which he might after this year, every single Shanahan disciple is going to want him. Okay. It's just a different position. 
It's just a different position. I'm going to get to Shanahan a little bit later. But I'm intrigued to see Love with Watson, Romeo Dubs. On the other side of the ball, you have two Georgia guys who played okay last year. Wyatt was okay. Walker was, frankly, bad and not disciplined. And I'm intrigued by every single Georgia guy because they're unbelievable athletes because Kirby knows how to, how to scout for athleticism and body type. And I was actually listening to an interview with a Georgia um, former personnel guy who was talking about how they Kirby didn't see Dylan Riola at first, who's the number one quarterback, quarterback in America, because he only watches the trench guys and the cornerbacks at the, his camps, which is that's Hilarious. it. That's football. Kirby is football. Watch the lines and the cornerbacks and everything else takes care of itself. Oh, we have quarterbacks here. Didn't notice. I didn't notice. I'm busy winning national championships with Stetson Bennett. Anyway, um, so I, I don't I don't know if the Packers are going to be good or bad. I just know that I've just if you're trying to say which team has the most questions that, that does have a higher ceiling, they're at the top of my list. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're going to be incredibly fun to watch. I'm really excited to see kind of who Jordan Love is just as a quarterback, as a leader, how the guys respond around him. I just, I, it, they're going to be really, really fun to watch. All right. Number two. Um. All right. Well, how about, since we were talking about Georgia guys, I'm going to, I sent you these teams earlier, but I'm going to mix up my order a little bit. Since we're talking about all the Georgia guys, I'm going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles who are at a really interesting point as they go into this camp. Um, and I think a lot of the other teams that we're going to be talking about today were teams that were either um, bounced from the playoffs early, didn't make the playoffs for disappointing reasons, have gone through quarterback changes. The Eagles are a team that this offseason have gone all in on their quarterback. Um, they gave, they gave Jalen Hurts a long-term extension, and now they are really building this team around him. They've got this group of uh, kind of aging veterans who are at the very end of their careers right now, who are back for another year, the Jason Kelsey's, the Fletcher Cox's, that crew. And then a bunch of really young guys and half of the Georgia roster, apparently, give or take <laughs> a couple guys on defense. More than half. More, um, than, half. more than half, but, pr- but pretty close. Um, so I think they're a team that, you know, the way that that Super Bowl ended, where they were so close to winning, obviously there was a very questionable um, defensive penalty there at the end. But the way that the defense played in that game, they have a new defensive coordinator. Jonathan Gannon is gone. We'll see if this is going to be an addition by subtraction type of situation. What are they going to look like? Their Super Bowl window is open. And there are so few teams that lose a Super Bowl that are able to kind of continue the momentum that they had built through the previous season and into the playoffs and get back there. So they're at a point right now that I think I want to see kind of where Nick Sirianni takes this after Mm -hmm. replacing his coordinators. Um, Where does Jalen Hurts go now that, I mean, this time a year ago, we were talking about like, is Jalen Hurts going to be the guy? Are they going to be looking for another quarterback next off season? Well, they answered that question, right? He is the guy. So What's the next step in his evolution? What's the next step in, step in their offense? What's like the mm-hmm. cool new shit that they're going to try that nobody else, maybe outside of Kansas City, is trying, um, given the offensive personnel they have? So um, they're probably the best team that I have on my list, you know, in terms of like what the overall roster looks like, how good they were last season, um, that are just in just a really, really, really interesting spot. So um, I, I hope we're going to get to see a lot of them. I think a lot of people are going to swing through that camp. New DC, who has a 
a lot on his plate as far as developing those Georgia guys, because as I said, the athleticism and the body types are there. How many Georgia guys have popped in the NFL? Not that many um, relative to their draft position and how many there are in the NFL. So something to watch there. Jalen Carter is going to wreck dudes. I don't, I'm, I'm all, I'm all set there. I don't have that many questions as long as he stays on the field. For me, the Eagles thing, it just comes down to health. Like that, that's what every day you check and you just make sure, Hey, all those really good players, they're still there, right? Good. They're going to play. Awesome. Like that's, that's why I, I, you know, monitor that camp every single day. Let me answer that with my intriguing team in the same division, the Dallas Cowboys. So Eagles are going to win the division as long as they stay healthy. The Cowboys have one of the best rosters in football. And I saw PFF did a ranking of the rosters. I think they had the Cowboys 12th. They had, obviously, the offensive line in the top 10, defensive line, I believe, in the top 10 as well. But then they said something that intrigued me. And it's the reason I think the Cowboys are going to be really good this year. Number one is for as much as we dunk on Mike McCarthy, I don't think his ceiling is very high. His floor is actually quite high. He's, he's a competent NFL coach who knows how to run practice and do all this boring shit, right? And I do believe that the defense is such that they're going to play, they're, they're going to win a bunch of games through that. But then what PFF said was that if you're looking at the roster weakness, the weakness is quarterback, which I think can, I, you can take that out of context and, and make it, a hot take that doesn't need to be, but I'm going to spin it the other way and say, that's amazing because there's a bunch, you know, whose weakness is quarterback, the Falcons, because they have Desmond Ritter doing it. You know, whose weakness is quarterback, the Cardinals, because I don't know who's going to start their week one. Okay. Is Cole McCoy there. I have no idea. I literally have no idea. I have not looked and I'm not going to look. Someone's going to tell me at 445 on Sunday, the first week of the year, who's playing quarterback because Scott Hanson is going to cut in with the pick six. That's who I find out who's in Arizona. Okay. So with Dallas, I, I, I just think that this is a solid roster and I, going through some of the, um, going through some of the, the uh, Brad Spielberg got a piece the other day about, you know, Trayvon Diggs is going to have to be re-signed. CeeDee Lamb is eventually going to have to be re-signed. Micah Parsons is going to be, be re-signed. And that's going to be costly. And Spielberg's point, which is, you know, they, they kind of know what they are this year. That's why they go out and they get Brandon Cooks and Steph Gilmore. Like they understand that maybe the flexibility is not going to be there in a couple of years. And that's because they drafted a bunch of really good young players and Dak's only going to get more expensive. And the salary cap hell that they've been in, not hell, but salary cap lack of flexibility that they've been in because the signing guys like Ezekiel Elliott, that stuff will, will, will show itself out. And so I just think it's very strange that we don't talk every year about the Cowboys being a Super Bowl contender. I mean, they were, they're in the mix every single year and I don't see any real weakness this year. I don't think they're as talented one through 53 as the Eagles, but I also think they're a hell of a lot more talented than a bunch of teams in a very weak NFC. Yeah. And when we talk about camp too, I mean, they're always one of the most fun camps because they're one of the most open camps. So I don't know how many times I know in Oxnard, you, California. Yeah. I don't know how many times you've been out to Oxnard, um, but it is one of like the most unique camp setups in the NFL. And the Cowboys generally are just like, we're just going to open up camp. They practice hard. They do a lot. I mean, within the rules, but they do a lot of like one V ones, full contact um, sessions. And that was, you know, in the Jason Garrett era. And I think a lot of that has actually carried over a bit to the, to the Mike McCarthy era as well. Um, 
they let their beat writers generally like tweet videos of basically everything that's happening. So you can actually like get a real sense of kind of like what's going on at that camp. And when we're talking about schematically, like what is this offense going to look like? This is a team that's gone through a major change um, in the off season, letting Kellen Moore go and Mike McCarthy is taking this offense back over. Um, I'm very curious what the, this evolution of the Mike McCarthy offense is going to look like and what that's going to mean for all of those guys that you just talked about. So um, it's going to be really fun. I hope Dak has an awesome camp. I hope he has an awesome year. Um, I hope he gives us a lot of stuff to talk about. And I want to just see a million tweets of Micah Parsons, like blowing shit up in training camp. That's what we're going to see. And I think we're going to start to see a team that generates a lot of buzz in training camp because people are going to start to look at this roster and realize how good they are. And yep, that's it. All right. Next team. All right. I'm going to stay here close to home in my backyard. Um, It's the Denver Broncos and uh, they're going to be weird. And interesting. And it's the now we're fully going to get to, to be see fair, the they Sean were Payton last year, Russell. too, but a different time. They were, but for very different reasons. Um, this time last year, this city that I live in here in Denver <laughs> was like, the Broncos are going to win the Super Bowl. You know, they had record crowds at training camp, even more than they had during some of the, the Peyton Manning years. It was pretty bonkers. Russell Wilson was like, you know doing Russell Wilson stuff in camp and everybody was like super jacked up. And then obviously it all fell apart very, very, very quickly. And now there's this um, mix. You throw Sean Payton into the mix and the rest of the roster isn't as good. I think there's a a lot of, you know, I think there's a couple like high end talent players, Patrick Sertan being Mm -hmm. the very, very top of that list. A lot of guys coming back from injury and then just like, what is this Sean Payton, Russell Wilson thing going to look like? Um, last year it was very clear during training camp that like, this is the, this is Russell Wilson's show and the offense is going to be whatever Russell Wilson wants to do. It was very similar to what Russell Wilson did in Seattle. Um, and I don't think Sean Payton is going to kind of just like let Russell Wilson run the show anymore. This is going to be Sean Payton's offense. This is going to be Sean Payton's team. They've already changed a lot of the ways that they're like doing things and running business and um, camps are going to be not as open. Um, they're limiting the number of fans that can go. I think they've mostly already sold out, um, but they're limiting a lot of this stuff. So there's going to be way less like buzz and hype about it. But I'm just so curious what this team is actually going to look like who Russell Wilson is going to be now. Um, and uh, I'm going to try to get out there and I'll let you know, I'll let you guys know what it looks like for me. The thing I'm circling every day in camp is the Russell Wilson, Sean Payton relationship, because they're going to ask him to do things he really hasn't done before the Nate Hackett, Russell Wilson situation seemed like a scheme mismatch. But on the other hand, like, like Nate Hackett was calling plays. Like there was no system. There was no yeah. system. If you watch the system last year, you're just like, what is this? Yeah. The the strategy mistakes sort of glossed over the scheme mistakes, I would say. Uh square peg, round holes, didn't love it. Sean Payton's instantly gonna make him better. I don't know if Sean Payton, I honestly do not know if Sean Payton loves Russell Wilson. I don't think this time last year anyone was talking about Sean Payton jumping in a place like Denver. Um, but I think it can work. I think that he can, I think maybe, hopefully, hopefully, don't really know. Hopefully there's a little humility to Russ Wilson where he's okay 
trying something new with Peyton and, and going from there, he didn't have the mobility he had last year. He held onto the ball too long. Like Sean Payton can just yell at him. And also, by the way, Sean Payton has, is going to be there for a long time. He has credibility. Like he will win a power struggle with Russell Wilson. I think that's important to note. That's important to note going into it that Russell Wilson, if you want to look like the worst quarterback among good quarterbacks, uh, I don't know how you want to say it. If you want to look like the 25th best quarterback, Again, you're welcome to do it, but you're just not going to be here for very, for very long. So I think that the power dynamic there is, is really interesting. Um, all right. I want to talk about, uh, speaking of quarterback whispers, the Niners. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. One thing that I think that, that, that modern football has gotten away from, which is upsetting, is quarterback battles. Because now the whole thing is, what's your plan of quarterback? It's a little bit like Formula One, where it's like you have one driver on the team of two, and you build a whole team around that driver, right? And that used to not be the case. It used to just be like, ah, eh, we'll figure it out. We'll figure out who the number one driver is. And obviously, there were some cases where there was a nailed on number one driver, but not, not all the time. And with the Niners, you have a quarterback battle that I have no idea. I have no idea where it goes. The Trey Lance thing, the report, maybe I saw a couple of reports that there he's making some progress but it just doesn't seem like he's all that in the mix nobody wants to trade for him he's not um maybe he's not what they thought when they drafted him um and then you have Brock Purdy who's coming back from injury who I think they would like to give the job to if they could and then you have Sam Darnold and Maybe I'm just Shanahan pilled, but I believe in someone with natural talent like Sam Darnold thriving in the Shanahan offense. I believe that it could be a good ego thing. And Kyle Shanahan has a huge ego, deservedly so. I believe it could be an ego thing for him to take failed quarterbacks and reclaim them. He could just take all of the Jets' mistakes and make them better. He could do Zach Wilson next year. He could do a little bar rescue with quarterbacks. We call it Jets rescue and it starts with Sam Darnold. But like, what's that old saying? I think it was about, it was either Don, about Don Shula or Bear Bryant, where he can take yours and beat you and he can take his and beat you. Like, you, you, it doesn't matter who, which sideline he takes, he's going to beat you. And I feel that way about Kyle Shanahan and quarterbacks. And top 10 in rushing last year, seventh in passing with bartenders throwing the ball, second best pass defense, second best run defense. So the only thing they have to work out 
to get back to Super Bowl contention is the quarterback position, which again, if they stay healthy, it's all like, do you realize what a luxury it is for you to be coached by Kyle Shanahan and your one problem being quarterback? Like, I think he's going to fix it, guys. I think he's going to fix it. So that's why I think they might be number one as far as like, if you're talking about the top of the NFC, top of football, with you, we have one question to answer. That might be the most intriguing question. Yeah. I mean, when we look back to the shoot, was that the NFC championship? It was the NFC championship game when Brock Purdy got hurt. Um, all of the playoff games back in January um, are are running together. And I didn't have a newborn at the time. It's like you were probably at least like delirious for an understandable reason. Um, once the quarterback I thought it was a hallucination, I thought it was a hallucination that they just kept getting guys injured over and over again. Josh Johnson, you're like, yep. am I imagining him? He's a he's a hologram. Um, once they lost Brock Purdy in that game, like the gap between the two teams kind of was apparent. I think like it, it wasn't that close. I mean, that game was not competitive really after that happened. Like, how much closer would it have been with Sam Darnold? Probably better right Sam Darnold um, in, a, in the system for a year would be would be good yeah I mean it's going to be really interesting and that's another team where you know I feel like I'm we're, we're doing this like inside beat writer stuff a lot here but that's a team with really good beat writers um they are really good on social media they're really good with access and understanding what's going on like that's not a place where you're just going to get like a lot of random shit thrown out there like we're going to get really good info I think coming out of Niners camp about what's going on with that battle who's getting reps um a really good sense of what's going on but you know I will say well I will go back to what um our our friend and colleague Sheil Kapadia has talked about several times on Ringer NFL feed uh this this offseason is that just like waiting for the day that it's like Sam Darnold's rising at camp. Yep. You start seeing those tweets and the headlines and that becoming, and it's going to, it's going to happen. And it's probably going to happen pretty early just about how, you know, cause he, he, right. He fits like a Shanahan. I can create any quarterback I want and get him to do what I want mold. Do you remember Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo are both playing lights out in camp? You remember that? That was I like mean, a I'm week. Sure that was a week. Trey Lance's rookie year. And it oh, was yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the report. I, I want to get the, the wording right. I believe the report was something like Trey Lance is playing lights out, but it might not matter because Jimmy's even better. And you're just like, whole, you're just reading the, the tweets. You're just like, holy shit, what do we have here? And then was, they're both fine. And Trey but Lance then was is that, still. Was that the same? It was the same year in the same camp when Jimmy went and threw, he had like five interceptions. Like, yeah, in probably a the day after that I report. Love, yeah. I love it. I love it. It's fantastic. I can't right. wait. I can't wait for training camp. Please don't kill Twitter before training camp. At least like wait until like the end of August. All right. What do you got next? Um, all right. I, there's a theme through all of this, right? It's quarterbacks and God, the Patriots are going to be really, really interesting. Oh, um, and maybe in a disaster kind of way. Um, I, you know, we keep talking about like Twitter and how we follow training camps and stuff. We all remember, right? like where we were last year when we saw the tweets about what a disaster um, the Patriots training camp was. And I think we all kind of knew like, huh, Matt Patricia's calling plays. Joe Judge is going to be helping run this offense. Like this sounds like it's might, it's probably not going to work. And then like every day, it just was like worse and worse and worse and worse. The tweets that were coming out, what the beat writers were saying, what the beat writers were writing in their articles. And now all of a sudden, those guys are gone. 
and rightfully so. And now we've got Bill O'Brien in the mix and like, oh, we've got an adult in the room, a guy who actually knows how to call offense. Like, is it going to be good? I don't know. Is Mac Jones going to be screaming at people on the sidelines? I don't know. I mean, I hope so for content's sake. That sounds fantastic. Uh, but they're going to be a very, very interesting offense to watch. And uh, God, I just, I, I hope we have a camera on Mac Jones all the time. Well, two things. I think Mac Jones was bad last year. But I also think Mac Jones was right. Mac Jones was right to yell. Mac Jones was right to go outside the building to understand offense because the people inside the building were not equipped to do so. Okay. And you can't tell the story with about Tom Brady without telling the story of the defensive meetings he had with Bill Belichick, where Belichick basically told him what to do. Right. And told him how offenses work or sorry, how defenses will play him. And then they go back and forth. And I think in Seth's book, he even said that, the quarterback coach and the offensive coordinator weren't even invited to this. This is just Tom Brady and Bill Belichick talking hardcore defense and prepping Tom Brady for that. That is as much as you want to do the goat debate about who's responsible for what great. We're happy to have it, but that is a huge part of Tom Brady's development is having the best defensive mind in history of football at his disposal all the time to understand what exactly he needs to be seeing. Now, everything else comes from Tom Brady. Having said that, guess what else Tom Brady had? Charlie Weiss, Bill O'Brien, Josh McDaniels, competent offensive coaches who knew how to run a system, what a system was. Crucially, they'd done it before. They weren't Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, who had been had done various things, none of which were calling plays or even con- conceiving of plays, frankly, on the NFL at the anywhere near the NFL level. Um, and so there will be a bump this year because of Bill O'Brien, but I think the actual, I mean, the problem with Mac Jones is you just run out of time in modern modern quarterbacking. Eventually, the, the difference between an extension, the line between an extension and being in a Kyle Shanahan quarterback competition is razor thin. And Kyle and, and, and Mac Jones needs to show in the first eight weeks of the season that he's he's capable of the latter. It's gonna be hilarious when he actually like takes the Niners to the playoffs in like 2026. After all of the trailers, I'm taking the under on year that happens. <laughs> okay, 2025. Um, um, it will be hilarious when that actually happens. All right. Speaking of, uh, this is I, I cannot believe I'm doing another quarterback driven thing. But I, no, actually, you know what? This is not a quarterback driven thing because it's a coach driven thing. It's the Chargers. Brandon Staley had a real case to be made for getting fired last year, and. I think there's some coaches who can make you better, but not get you to the mountaintop. It happens all the time. The difference between the fourth seed in in the conference and the one seed is incalculably large, even if it might be one or two wins. And sometimes there's a one seed that doesn't even deserve to be a one seed. And I barely count that. Right. But we saw that in Tennessee a little bit. Right. And, but with the chargers, they're a good team with a great quarterback. And it's a very dangerous thing for a head coach to be. And first of all, you have the Justin Herbert contract, which we don't know where that goes. He said uh, a couple of weeks ago, according to the Associated Press about a hold in the possibility of a hold in that the role of the quarterback is to be out there for his team and do everything he can to put in position to win. Uh, he understands that responsibility. It's something we'll address when the time comes, but I guess we'll see. So we didn't rule out 
any sort of contract-related unhappiness. And I don't know if that's just because he didn't have a plan, he didn't want to say anything his agent would get mad at or whatever, but that's just something to watch. I have no idea if he's going to do it. doesn't seem like he's going to make a huge stink if it doesn't happen in August. But by the way, you are dealing with the Chargers team that historically is not, uh, you know, leapt, leapt to spend money, okay? By the way, the other guy negotiating a similar contract, Joe Burrow, also plays for a franchise that is not enthusiastically spending money at every turn. But you add in Quentin Johnson, you add in, and I'll, let's, let's let's break down Kellen Moore for a second. The explosive play rate was not that high, was not that high. And it's a nice way to put it. Well, no, I'm saying that in, in, in Los Angeles and in Dallas, I don't think Kellen Moore is going to automatically add a bunch of explosive plays. We're talking about 20 plus yards. The numbers are not amazing, but, but. What you want is plays over 10 yards. And Trevor Sikama had this stat the other day, and I found it fascinating. Last year, Justin Herbert had two receiving options with an average depth of target of 10 yards or more. Kellen Moore's offense in Dallas had seven. So you're automatically going to push the ball down the field that way. Some of his routes, Bob Sturm and, and Ted Wynn had this a couple weeks ago, but some of his routes, it's a lot of stop routes, a lot of kind of Scott Linehan, Jason Garrett routes that don't necessarily get you the 30, 40 yard huge chunk plays. But what they do get you is 12 yards, 12 yards, 12 yards. And that's that's something that would be interesting. So I'm intrigued to see three things. Number one, Justin Herbert, is he there? Is he accounted for? Is he locked in with the contract stuff? Number two, how is this offense looking training camp? Does it look like something everybody's comfortable with? And number three is, how does Brandon Staley manage the expectations of a roster that by now should have played an AFC title game? By now should be at the tippy top of the conference because they have a lot of star players, a lot of different positions. Brandon Staley needs to come out and justify his job, frankly, pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think you hit on the offensive stuff, um, really well there. I have two other, I guess, questions, one involving Brandon Staley there. So going into last season, um, well, if we, if we back up to the 2021 season, there was kind of the sense of like, he doesn't have the defensive players that he wants to be able to run his defense, the style of defense that he wants to play. So heading into last off season, it was like, let's get Brandon Staley guys. Let's get guys that can play the star position. Let's, you know, incre- improve the pass rush, the trade for Khalil Mack, all these type of things. Obviously not having Joey Bosa for the majority of last season, that puts a pretty, a pretty big damper on your defensive plans because he's one of the best defensive players in the NFL. But that defense have, has massively underperformed. And the reason they hired Brandon Staley was because he's a really good defensive coach. And we saw game, we have seen specific games where they have played really well, but we have not seen consistently good defense out of the Chargers. And that's what they need to do. That's why Brandon Staley is there. Um, and then the other thing is just, how they lost, how their season ended last year, the way that they had a historic collapse in the wild card round, that game against Jacksonville, um, a lot of the decision making that kind of went in at the end of the season, um, you know, playing starters in week 18, uh, Mike Williams getting hurt, you know, there was just, there's just a lot of things that like don't inspire confidence right now in in Staley and just like in that team. So, you know, that's a team whose season ended in absolutely the worst, the worst way possible. So there's like a lot of psychological stuff that I'm going to be watching there of like how this team looks, what are the vibes like, uh, in camp. So spotlights on you, Mr. Staley. 
lot harder to run your system when you don't have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. Okay, last one. All right. Um, sorry, I just, it's quarterbacks, right? Well, this is quarterbacks. This is coaches. Um, Carolina Panthers. Yeah. Remember, remember the Carolina Panthers? Number one uh, overall pick in the draft, Bryce Young. Um, it's just going to be really fun to watch like what this team becomes now. They're playing in probably the most wide open division in football. Uh, I think all of those teams are kind of bad. Right now, mm-hmm. a lot of questions about all of those teams. Um, I really like a lot of their roster. I really like Frank Reich. Um, a ton of pressure, I think, from David Tepper, a guy we've talked a lot about on this podcast already, just in terms of like, he's an owner who's going to spend a lot of money, already has spent a lot of money. His teams have been pretty bad. And now you have, um, you know, the number one overall pick in the draft who is going to be your quarterback. And what is Frank Reich's offense going to look like for Bryce Young? So. You know, I think with some of the other rookie quarterbacks, some of them are going to be on maybe a little bit longer of a build. Some of them on our teams that are going to be, um, you know, the Texans. Like, I don't think any of us are like, oh, you throw CJ Stroud in there. The Texans are going to be a contender right away. I think the Panthers have a roster and a division that makes it winnable if if he's good pretty, pretty quickly. So I'm excited to see kind of what they're going to look like and what sort of trajectory that franchise is going to be on after making that massive move that they did this offseason to trade up to get him. So I'm with you. A couple of issues I have. Number one. So first of all, like everybody, the roster is decent. And if Bryce Young plays well in that division, the one thing I'm worried about, the Saints have, I believe, according to Warren Sharp's uh, Vegas win totals adjusted strength of schedule. The Saints have by far the easiest schedule in football. The Panthers don't have a hard schedule by any means, especially in that, again, in that division, you pick up wins pretty easily. But that's just something to note, that the Saints have, have a much easier schedule. Frank Reich is a good coach who was in a bad situation last year in Indy. Things went south, and then Jim Irsay called Jeff Saturday, who wasn't even watching the game, and we got there, right? And so I actually was texting with Rees about this. They've got ta- – Panthers have talent everywhere. Not a lot has to break right for them to be a nine-win team. And if that happens, they would win the division. Um, I don't think the Saints, even though they, even though they have the easy schedule, I don't think the Saints raised their quarterback ceiling that much. I don't love the Derek Carr signing in general, so I'm I'm pretty intrigued with this Panthers team. And I don't, I would not be surprised if they were hosting a playoff game. Yeah, because you just got to win that division, right? I yeah. mean, it's easy. What else gonna, who else is going to do it? Their coaching staff is really interesting. Um, what Frank Reich went and did this offseason, the the people that he hired, that staff that he built, got Deuce Staley on that staff. You've got Thomas Brown from the Rams. So you're bringing him from like the Sean McVay tree. You've got Josh McCown coaching quarterbacks. It's a really interesting group. And then you got Ajiro Evero who came over from Denver. Mm-hmm. Dom Capers is on well that staff. Of. Like Evero is very well thought of. Yes, absolutely. And um, yeah, he was a head coaching candidate and probably will be. D'Angelo Hall is on that stuff. It's a really, really interesting mix of um, veteran coaches, young and up and coming coaches, guys from different coaching trees. It's not like there are guys that Frank has worked with before on that staff, but it wasn't like he just was like, all right, I'm going to take everybody from Indy that I worked with before. Like he seemed to be very intentional at building the staff to bring in different ideas um, and very intentional about like knowing we're going to have to develop a quarterback and what is this offense going to look like for him. So uh, I'm excited. It'll be a fun camp to watch. So my last one, let me tell you the hallmark of training camps. 
it's when you just randomly assign skills and stats to guys in the off season and then just hope they come true. So the best example is I saw a report the other day that in Atlanta, Cordero Patterson is going to catch more passes, going to catch more passes. And it makes sense with his skill set. But like, I just, I love the Falcons and the weirdness that they have. The fact that Desmond Ritter is not good at all. Um, The fact that here's a stat via the athletic. There are 31 first third round picks who've been through an NFL season. 12 have started more than 10 games. Seven have won more than 10 career games. Six appeared in fewer than 10 games. We know that quarterbacks are now overdrafted to a significant degree. So there's serious question marks about Ritter's development, but they had some of the best run designs in football last year. Being average with a bad quarterback automatically makes you interesting because all you need is just not Marcus Mariota, who was really bad last year. Uh, fifth best rushing success rate in the league last year. They've got this kid, Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse, um, who looks like he's going to get playing time there. I love the identity. I love the, a team that knows who they are. Maybe that that dovetail. I'm sure that if they had a better quarterback, they wouldn't just be a run-heavy, run-blocking type of team. But I love the fact that they've said, this is this is who we are. This is what we need and going out and getting that. They have one of the best offensive lines at that in football. Kyle Pitts had an MCL last year. He's expected to be ready by week one. That's another training camp thing. So it, for me, the, the, inter- the interior of the defensive line is really old, but really good. And so for me, I don't know if this is a good team. I just know that I'm going to be watching the training camp because I want to see what this all looks like and what this all what the ceiling is and whether or not we should expect anything from Kyle Pitts, whether or not Desmond is going to make enough throws to make this interesting. And that they don't have to just be a running, uh, running heavy team, whether or not Bijan Robinson looks so good in training camp that we need to start talking about him as offensive rookie of the year. There's just so many things that go into it that um, again, this is not about our five best teams. This is about our five best training camps. And, and there are so many different variables that go into this Falcons team. Again, in a weak division, I don't, I don't would not be shocked if they're hosting a playoff game. And Arthur Smith is like liable to like say crazy shit all throughout training camp. Um, he's reading yes. the tweets. He probably pays the $8 a month. So he doesn't have the rate limit. Um, he's reading what people are saying about him. He's paying attention. Like uh, he acts like he doesn't care, but he like very much cares what people think about his offense uh, and, and and his players. So um, yeah, I mean, not my favorite camp to go to, but generally, I think it'll be interesting. Hot, hot, and suburban. It's like it's like hotter than the surf. It's like so humid. Like At you could like swim close there. Close to where the Panthers are. Generally also, speaking, disgusting. Well, the Panthers yeah, the flowery, are south the of Charlotte. Flowery Branch, Spartanburg. Flowery like you might as well north. do breaststroke there. Like it's just it's it's disgusting. We're yeah. in. Lindsey Jones, thanks for coming on, pal. Uh, it was great. I can't wait for camp. This has been Slow News Day. Thank you to Richie Bozer for production help. We will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs. 
meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need. Have coverage options to protect the things you value most. File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.